Welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, a podcast about getting your shit together and creating a life you love. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring badasses about the nitty gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. My guests and I might embrace a bit of woo woo every now and again, but we also get really honest about what it takes to grapple with your demons, transform your life, truly accept yourself, and strike out in the direction of your dreams. Because personal development only works if you do. That's what's so punk rock about it. Hello, and welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, episode 28. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars, that's S-T-A-R-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 28. Today I'm sharing an interview with Evyon Whitney. I was so excited to talk with Evyon as I've been reading her blog since she started it nearly five years ago, and she was just as sweet and thoughtful as she comes across in her writing. Evyon is a writer who chronicles her journey into erotic awakening and exploration at sexloveliberation.com. In addition to writing about her sex life, she's also a sexuality doula, a person who helps facilitate, educate, and hold space for other women who want to step out of sexual shame and into their erotic power. We talked in depth about releasing sexual shame, reclaiming our sexuality, powerful practices for sexual healing, reigniting your libido, and so much more. Unfortunately, my microphone during this interview picked up a little bit of feedback, so you can hear some intermittent kind of clicking noises as Evian and I are talking. So I apologize about that. We've done the best we can in removing those clicks in post-production. I just wanted to let you know, give you a heads up. I don't think it takes away from anything that is said during the interview, which is just full of really amazing you know, advice and insights and uh, analogies from Evian's story. So don't let it, uh, don't let it stop you from listening. And just a heads up that that is quite an anomaly on this show. I haven't had it happen before, so we'll do our best to make sure it doesn't happen again too. Thanks. And here's the interview. Hey, Evian, how are you today? I am good. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. And I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. I've actually been reading your writing since way back when you had a personal blog before Sex, Love, and Liberation. So it's quite cool to get to chat like this. Oh my gosh, you've been following me since Apricot Tea? That's crazy. (laughs) I think that I started reading Apricot Tea like really, I kind of like got obsessed with going into your archives and then really soon after that you switched to your new platform and and started this journey so oh my gosh that's so funny I always love hearing from people who have been following my work for that long because like I mean that's just amazing it's like unheard of (laughs) so cool (laughs) so for anyone who has not been following you for that long or who maybe hasn't hasn't seen your work at all yet can you share a little bit of your story who are you and what do you do Uh, I, at this time, am what I consider to be a sexuality doula. Um, Basically, I help facilitate, educate, encourage, hold space for women who um, want to step out of sexual shame and into their erotic power. Um, It didn't start out that way for me. Uh, When I was writing on my personal fashion blog, um, Apricot Tea, um, I was not in that place of space holding at all. Like there is no way that I could have done any of that because I was going through my own crazy, emotional, um, sexually dysfunctional relationship with sex. Um, and it was really starting to wreak havoc on my marriage and just the way that I felt as a woman growing up, um, and kind of getting my footing into my womanhood. Cause I started apricot tea when I was pretty young. I think I was like, uh, 20, 21. So, um, and I was newly married. So when you're newly married, I mean, not even just newly married, when you're like living with the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, like sex becomes the forefront of, you know, the relationship. I mean, we're sleeping in the same bed together. We're changing in front of each other. We're taking showers together. I mean, sex is something that was coming up a lot, a lot more than when we were just dating. So, um, so through that, um, that, that hardship or those hardships, um, 
I started to get away from wanting to do fashion blogging. It just really wasn't floating my boat anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I started to become really curious about my own sexual dysfunction and trying to work through that, through writing, through um, telling my story. And essentially that's how Sex Law Liberation was born. Um, it, it was, it happened really serendipitously because um, a friend of mine was writing or was doing this series about uh, masturbation and, and pornography. And she'd asked me to write a couple essays for the series. And um, I didn't really feel comfortable putting that on my personal blog mm-hmm. <laughs> because my mom read it. And um, I just, you know, I mean, sex is such a taboo topic and to put something like that uh, to an audience that was so used to reading recipes and seeing me in cute dresses and um, talking about my dog. Like I just thought that it would have been really jarring for people. So Sex Liberation originally was created as a platform to house those essays. And then um, I ended up really liking it. I ended up really liking talking about sex and sexuality and really digging deep into um, my sexual dysfunction and trying to figure out who am I as an erotic woman. So yeah, that's that's how it all started. And it's been so beautiful to watch your journey and watch the website grow because it really started from your own desire for sexual liberation and awakening. And now you're helping so many women reach that same place. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. I never thought that, um, like when I first started this, I never thought that it would touch so many people like this, this, um, I mean, I knew that sex was taboo and I knew that people, a lot of people had issues with it, but, um, the, the amount of support and just, uh, the, the messages that came out during those first couple of months of me pinning those essays, like, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like I'm, I might be onto something here. Like this might be, this might be something that's more than just a project, like a side project. This might be Um, this might be bigger than that. Yeah. And so, I mean, you spoke so eloquently about kind of what brought about the the beginning of this work and this journey. And I'm curious, in what ways do you feel different today than when you first started out on this journey? Oh, man. Um, I definitely feel a lot more sexually confident. Um, uh, I feel like I have, I, I have more of a, a healthy, relationship with sex I'm not so afraid of it (laughs) uh and yeah sex it comes a lot naturally for me these days um which is whoo that's I mean I couldn't say that um five years ago four years ago like there's no way um that that those words would come out of my mouth speaking about me and my relationship and and sex like um just feeling so comfortable and at peace with my sexuality and not even just like the way that it's expressed, the way that um, I bring it into um, my relationships, the way that I bring it into my work, but just the ability to talk about it without, Mm -hmm. um, without censoring myself or like, like I was on the, um, I was on a call with a client recently and every time she said sexuality or sex she would be like sex like she wouldn't say it like she would be talking normal and then she would come come to say sex and it would be like this really low like yeah I really want to talk about maybe sex and that was me like I I couldn't even say sex aloud in conversation with with adults so I feel a lot um, a lot less shamed about sex and sexuality and just really comfortable and confident in who I am as a sexual woman. Um, yeah, it's it's total 180. Like, it's it's crazy. That's beautiful. So I, I mentioned before we got on this call that I run a Facebook group called Girl Gang HQ. And that recently, one of the members, she really bravely brought up this discussion about the sexual shame that she's currently dealing with, mm-hmm. how that's cut her off from her desire and her orgasm, and that she has this deep desire for healing. And it was really, really beautiful because it sparked so many Me Too's in the group. And we started talking about the many different ways that we're struggling with our sexuality as women. And I don't think that's something that gets talked about enough. And it was really interesting because, of course, you know, for some people, there's there's sexual shame that comes from a repressive upbringing or because of past sexual trauma. But for others, I think some of us were really struggling to understand where this was coming from. And it's something that we Mm -hmm. hadn't necessarily 
you know, I know speaking from my own experience, it was actually getting into this relationship that I'm in now with my husband. And when we actually got married last year, it brought all of this sexual shame to the surface that I think was me having to deal with things that I've been repressing because I was finally in this truly equal loving relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. That sounds very similar to my own story. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, you know, I think we think we live in this really sexually liberated culture, but there's so many mixed messages that we're still getting around mm-hmm. women and sexuality. And I was wondering, you know, for, for those of us who maybe have, have this sense of sexual shame, but aren't really sure where it's come from, do you... Do you have any thoughts around why this is so prevalent with women today and maybe why we're awakening in it, awakening to it so much more? Hmm. I mean, that's oh, such a loaded question. I think that it comes from so many different areas. At the risk of sounding a little woo-woo, um, one of the things that I like to think about is this idea like, yes, you know, the, the cultural landscape right now is really sexually free and sexually open, um, which is amazing. But I mean, uh, you know, at least like in, in the United States, like we were founded, like this country was founded on, um, purity, like on Puritans, you know, like people who wore clothes, um, like completely covered themselves where women didn't have um, status where um, sexuality for for women was deemed like a source of witchcraft. So when I think about that, when I think about um, the land that my feet are planted on and the way that things were founded, um, the belief systems around sex and around women and about uh liberation and using your voice and speaking your truth, like all of those things. Um, it makes a lot of sense that we're still feeling that, that, that shame, even though, you know, the, the, the narratives around sex right now are a lot different, like vastly different from the way that they used to be like, you know, 400 years ago or whatever. I just, I don't know. I, I think that it still gets in. I think that we still have a lot of work to do. Um, and And I think that because sexual shame has been so like, so part of our culture and part of our story as a culture, like, I think it's going to take a little bit more than just like sex in the media and like sex positive um, uh, projects and stuff like that before those things are completely wiped clean. Like, I mean, we've got, we've got centuries and centuries of, of unlearning to do. Um, and, and like I said, it's, that's my personal belief. Like it's, it sounds pretty woo woo. Um, but what I like about that is that it takes away this idea that there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with you. Like everyone else has got this, got this sex thing down. Um, why can't I just figure it out for myself? Um, so this idea that like, it's a bigger thing, like an unseen thing that, you don't really have much of a hand in like it was sort of like um, the hand that you got dealt like ancestrally and, and all those other things like it just feels a little bit better for me to just sit with and be like, OK, so like in order if I'm to erase sexual shame, I'm not just erasing my sexual shame like I'm erasing the sexual shame of my mother. I'm erasing the sexual shame of my grandmother, my great grandmother and on and on and on, you know, like it's it's. Sex, like erasing sexual shame is so much bigger than just one person, just one generation. So I like to think of it in that term uh, or in that way because it just feels, it, it feels a lot easier. I mean, I know that that sounds like really dark and like, like really hard to, to like, okay, well shit, like if that's the case, then what's the point? Um, but, but I know for a lot of women, who are experiencing sexual shame, one of the first things that we think of is like, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Everyone else has this figured out. I'm the one that has the hangups. I have the problems. Why can't I figure this out? And so that line of thinking of like, yeah, this is, this is just, this is a bigger energy than just what you are experiencing in your body in this moment right now. It just feels a little bit, um, a little bit more doable. Like I can separate myself a little bit and not take the responsibility of it. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful way to look at it because there, I mean, 
and don't be afraid to get a little bit woo-woo like we do okay. all the time around here. But I mean, there's that there's that thing about the ancestral lineage and the energy right. that is kind of permeating. But I think there's also the really practical thing of, you know, our great grandmothers passed on to our grandmothers the shame that they had, even exactly. if it was unconsciously, and that continues to happen because. When I've been thinking about this recently, I think even though obviously my mother was trying to do better than, you know, than what had been passed on to her, we didn't talk a lot about sex directly, but I mean, even if we think of a society, you know, potentially trying to do better, and I probably thought I was a really sexually liberated woman because I, I had sex and talked about sex and, you know, we see sex in the media, but because there's still all of this shame being passed down just because sex is out in the open doesn't mean that there's still not some shame or kind of skewed power dynamics behind totally. it. Because that's something I really realized is when I was having sex when I was younger, it was a way for me to either be controlled or be controlling. Like it was always this mm-hmm. power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really yeah. interesting for me to think about and kind of dismantle. Okay, now where I'm this in this situation where there doesn't there isn't that power dynamic. There isn't someone trying right. to exert power over someone. What does sex right. look like? What does it mean? Right. And you know, like um, another thing that I like to think about too is, you know, it's so easy to say we are sexually liberated because of the the images that we see in the media, because of the things that are happening around us and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't think that women... Um, and I'll just speak personally rather than generally for me, it, I never had a thought or any conversations about who I am as a sexual woman. Mm. Like I would see all of these images and I, I had a good idea of what sexy was like as a definition and based on, um, the images that were portrayed in media, sex scenes, movies, songs, and stuff like that, like, I, I had a very vast knowledge of what sex and sexuality and sexual expression was. But when it came to personalizing it, like making it my own, making it a unique expression for me, um, I was clueless. I had no idea. And I think that that can, I think that might also be the trouble with a lot of women too, when they're like, man, I live in such a sexually liberated world, like a sexually liberated culture. Like there are a lot of women too, who haven't been passed down those really horrible ideas and concepts about sex and sexuality, but they still feel like, um, like they have no idea who they are as a sexual woman. So I think, and, and that's kind of been my, my journey of, of trying to create a sexual story that fits me, that suits me really well. And then, you know, just passing that down to my clients. Like that's like one of the first things that we talk about is like, who do you want to be as a sexual woman? What does sexuality mean to you? I know that there are lots of definitions flying out there. I know there are a lot, there's lots of imagery, um, lots of ideas, but like, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to have a a healthy relationship with your orgasm? What does it look like for you to honor your desires? Um, I think really personalizing it, making it unique to you is something that we don't have the opportunity to do until we realize like, oh, wow, I'm totally following a story of sexuality that doesn't belong to me, that doesn't fit me. Um, So I think that that has something to do with it too. Yeah, I think that's so important to think about because I think most of us don't even have the vocabulary to start telling that story because we just right. haven't had those conversations or even like really allowed ourselves to think about it. You'll often, right. I mean, often, you know, you read things about um, having an intimate sexual relationship or kind of opening up those doors of sexual liberation. Often people will talk about communicating your sexual desires with your partner. And I think so often we don't, you know, we don't even know either what the options are or how to use our language to do that. And I don't know if you've, um, if you've seen the project, how to make me come. No, um, wait, I think so. Is that on Tumblr? Yeah. So there's a Tumblr. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Amazing. Now, which is also called how to make me come. But for anyone who has, no way. Okay. I'm writing this down right now. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Both of those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out, because there's a Tumblr where women have written, personal essays about how to make them come so um Mm -hmm. 
quite literally that's what they're writing about which I think is really incredible and then now yeah. she started a podcast where she's having anonymous conversations around different topics relating to sexuality so you know from everything Super from cool. dirty talk and self-pleasure to um sexual harassment and also you know she mm. had some men on the show talking about what they learned from these essays so yeah it's really really interesting helping really to cool. increase I our love- vocabulary yeah, I love projects like that because like when we when we see other women stepping into their sexual power or just being comfortable with with who they are as sexual beings, like it really helps give us permission to do the same. So projects like that are so important. Um, and I'm so glad that you reminded me that that exists because, oh, it's so it's so, so good. I love that. So for anyone who's just starting out on this journey, what are three small ways that they could get to the root of their sexual shame and start healing, start the healing process? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of the first steps that's really helped, that really helped me was just acknowledging that my sexual relationships or rather my relationship to sex and sexuality was incredibly um, disconnected just having that realization and noticing like, okay, this is the the way that I want to have sex, the way that I want to be in sexual relationships. Um, it's not working for me. And then really sitting down and asking yourself why, like, why isn't it working? Um, so I think that would be step number two. I think the step number one would probably be like really just having that heart to heart with yourself. Like, are you satisfied with sex? Um, and, and acknowledging the ways that maybe, maybe it's not working for you. Um, and then step two, I think would be to sit down and write out or think about the ways that it isn't working for you. Um, maybe it's the relationship that, that you have with your partner. Um, you want it to be more intimate and it's not intimate. Um, one common thing that I hear a lot is like women don't allow themselves to really surrender to the pleasure that they're receiving from their partners. Um, or they can't have an orgasm, like just really sort of troubleshooting and, and going through all of the things that, um, that aren't working. And then I would say on the other side of that, which would be step three, um, I think that would look like creating or writing down or thinking about the way that you want sex to be instead. Uh, this, the new story that you would like to step into the fantasy, like ideal situation that you would like to have around sex, around orgasm, around pleasure, desire, all of these things, like, um, really writing it down, thinking about it in rich, rich details, um, sparing no, uh, sparing no details. I mean, even going down to the relationship that you have with your genitals and the relationship you have with your, um, with your breasts and, um, the relationship you have with your body's functions. I mean, all of that stuff is really connected. Um, and I think that once you get those juices flowing in that area, you can begin to like see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, because what I like to think of is um, just your ability to like, you might be in complete sexual dysfunction right now. You might think of yourself as a sexually frigid woman. You might think that you will never have the kind of orgasm or the sexual relationship that you want, but your ability to sit down and, and write out or think about the type of sex you want to have, the type of sexual expression you want to explore, um, the type of relationship that you have, you want to have with your body, that shows me, and I hope that it would show you that um, that there's still life in there, that there's sexual vitality in there. I mean, just your ability to to be able to think and imagine and to allow yourself uh, the the luxury, I guess, of of going deep and and thinking about all the things that you want and all the things that you want to see for yourself. Like that's huge. That's huge. And, um, I know for me, when I was first starting this journey, I was so knee deep in my dysfunction and in my perceived brokenness that 
just the idea of thinking about something on the other side was too much for me. Um, so I think that if people can get to the, the other side of it and think and just allow themselves to dream, allow themselves to really think about the type of sexual woman that they want to be, I think that that's a huge first step. It may not seem like a huge first step because it's like, okay, well, I have to do the work to get to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just see the the dreaming, the desiring, the the wanting. I think that that that's that's really important and potent territory to be in. Mm, yeah, that's a really good reminder. So yeah. you you mentioned you know how difficult you know being young and married you know that sex is quite at the forefront of your relationship and so I'm curious what how did you kind of bring your husband into this journey of sexual awakening and maybe communicate with him what you needed while you were going through this healing process oh man if if I knew now what I or if I would have known what I know now back then the experience would have been totally different I I feel like I did a really really bad job (laughs) of 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 having my husband be involved into this journey I think it's because um I had so much shame and it felt really embarrassing to to talk about it with him and to be like wow sex is a huge issue because um for him and and for a lot of men it seems like their sexuality is just so easy you know you get you get turned on you do the thing and then it's done. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem as nuanced as it was for men, for women, which isn't to say that it's not. Um, but from my perspective, from me being knee deep in shame and, and dysfunction, it just looked like, man, he's got it so easy. Like, I don't really feel comfortable talking to him about my sexual dysfunction. I don't really feel like he would understand, um, what I'm going through. So it, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do a very good job, I think, of, of conveying those things to him. I think, um, I think I could have been a lot better in the beginning about talking about not just what was bothering me and not just the things that I was thinking about healing, but also the dreams, like the dreams that I was mentioning um, a moment ago, like the woman that I wanted to be, the woman that I wanted to see myself being. Um, I think, man, a lot of the conversations that we had the first couple years of just being totally entrenched in this sexual despair were really, really rough. Um, And I don't think that they needed to be. I think that if I would have had more of a a positive outlook. It, like if I would have been able to see light at the end of the tunnel, it wouldn't have been so bad. But uh, for me, it was just so, it just seems so dismal. It just seems like there was no fixing it. And I remember having a conversation with him. Um, actually, this came up a couple of times where I was like, you know what, you might need to consider getting like a mistress, like a side piece <laughs> to, to have her like, uh, service your, your sexual needs, because I don't think that I can do that for you. Like, I think that we might need to bring someone else in because I'm just feeling way too guilty. I'm feeling way too much pressure and, um, it's not fair for you. You didn't sign up for this. You know, we're married, we're married. I should be the one, um, that, that does it all for you, which I mean, there's a whole lot of problematic, um, stuff within that too. Uh, but that's, that's how I felt. That's what I believed. And, and yeah, the, the situation for me was really, really dramatic. Um, if I, if I could change it, I think what I would have done is I would have, I would have sat down and thought about the woman that I wanted to become. And I wouldn't have seen it as like, because for me, like, I, I thought literally that I was the only person on earth who was dealing with this. Like, I thought everyone else had their sex lives totally amazing. They were, you know, able to connect with, with their sexiness and, and their bodies in a way that I couldn't. I really literally thought that I was the only one that dealt with this. And because of that, it, it really did feel in, incredibly isolated isolating and I felt really alone. Um, so I think what would have changed that (laughs) would have been me realizing like, wow, this is incredibly common. Um, Mm -hmm. women go through this, like women go through this so, so 
frequently and that has nothing to do with their brokenness it has to do with we're not broken ourselves it's the stories that we have about sex that are broken um if i would have just heard that sentence i think that 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 would have changed the entire way that i related to sex sexuality within my intimate relationship with my partner because like i said it was coming from a total dark dismal place um i i couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel i really thought that this was it like this is how sex was always going to be for me and i needed to uh give my partner permission to cheat or to uh, have someone else in order for this problem to essentially be solved so yeah it was pretty dark pretty depressing <laughs> yeah and what an incredible transformation so I think that's really inspiring for anyone who is maybe in that situation now of feeling like you know feeling guilt around not feeling like they're able to give pleasure to their partner or just not sure whether sex is ever going to be something that they can enjoy yeah yeah totally I mean it's it's not all not all is lost you know I mean even when it feels like the shame is keeping you from from being who you want to be I mean I've seen some incredible transformations in my work as a sex coach um, from women who were straight up evangelical, like raised evangelical Christians, um, blossom into sexual beings. Mm -hmm. Um, Just knowing that that work, knowing that this work is possible. Like, I think that that, I think having that mindset, knowing that it's possible can really just help people blossom into who they want to be because I think sometimes that that keeps us um from being who we want to be because we keep thinking like this is never going to happen for me like this is totally off limits I can't I can't become a sexual sexually liberated woman like what does that even mean um I think changing changing our our perception about that um flipping it on its head a little bit and realizing like oh there's a sexually liberated woman that lives inside of me i just have to uncover her um i think that can be really huge for people it was huge for me and so you shared this really wonderful entry point for people who are starting this healing journey and i'm wondering what practices did you find the most powerful and healing on your journey of sexual awakening Oh man, reading a lot of books, curiosity, curiosity, uh, was huge for me. Um, and I also think that curiosity helped me come out of that really dark place of depression and, and hopelessness, uh, being curious about the way that, that other people sexually express themselves. Um, I got really, really into in the beginning, uh, reading Anais Nen, um, her diaries, her, uh, her erotica, um, being able to, to watch and witness other people express themselves sexually and be comfortable with their sexualities as women. Uh, that was really, really huge for me. Just, just being able to see like, it's possible. (laughs) It's possible to have these really, uh, healthy relationships with sex and, and, and in a way that, that doesn't look like what is portrayed in the media, you know, like, um, so yeah, curiosity was huge for me being able to, to just be curious and, and to read books about sexuality and desire and orgasm. And, um, what was really interesting for me was to kind of go back into like sort of an origin story around like, where did sexual shame come from? And, um, you know, reading, reading books about that. Um, really helped me to not feel as alone. And it also um, just really changed my perspective, kind of going back to what I spoke about earlier about like, wow, this is like a huge lineage of sexual shame that I'm dealing with. It's not just me being embodied in this particular body. Like I'm, I'm having to deal with sexual shame from generations ago. Um, that was also really helpful too. So yeah, reading books, being curious, um, and then like just, uh, having my blog was incredible for me, like being able to just write about what was happening with me, like the hopes and the dreams that I had, the fears that I had. Um, and obviously, you know, writing about sex very publicly isn't something that people can do or even want to do. So I would suggest for people 
to, um, if, if they want to begin this, this journey of sexual liberation, to just like have a diary, um, something you can, you know, putting pen to paper or just like, you know, making your own Tumblr where it's anonymous and you can talk about um, your sexual journey, this, the things that you want to step into, the things that you want to step out of. Um, I love Tumblr because it's such a, it's such a sex positive place, at least the corner of, of my Tumblr is Mm -hmm. sex positive. I'm sure there are other, you know, not very sex positive places on Tumblr, but for the most part, what I see is just a lot of sex positivity, body positivity, um, and being really entrenched in that, um, is super helpful. Just knowing that like, there's not one way to be sexually expressive. There's not one way to be sexually liberated. It looks and varies, um, from person to person. So, um, so yeah, curiosity and, and having heart to hearts with yourself and allowing yourself to dream and reading books and, um, giving yourself permission to, to go there, to get a little dirty, you know, to maybe watch some porn or, um, to look at erotic imagery and, and notice what's happening in your body when you do that. Um, just, just being really, really aware, being an, an, an observer of the experience. And is there any particular book about that kind of sexual shame origin story that you'd re- recommend in particular? Um, one book that really helped me, one actually one of the first books that I read was um, For Yourself by Lonnie Barbuck. Um, it's a little dated. I, so when I read it uh, the first time, I mean, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. So I was just like, oh, this book is awesome. And then I started reading more books and I reread for yourself and I realized like, wow, the language is, um, it's not as concise as, as I think it could, could be. I mean, it was written, um, written a long time ago. I want to say maybe in the seventies or the eighties, I could be wrong. Um, but that book was really about, um, uh, female sexuality and masturbation, um, really sort of peeling back the layers of shame around, uh, masturbation, self-pleasure, um, and the relationship that you have with your body. That was, that was a huge book for me. Um, even though like looking back on it now, it, it, like I said, it is, it's not as concise as, as it probably could be. It it reads a little dated, but it's still really, really powerful. Um, another book that I recently read, I just finished devouring that I'm going to send to all of my clients because it's amazing is come as you are by Emily Nagoski. Um, that book cracked me wide open. I mean, and, and where I am now in my sexual journey is, is a lot different than where I was when I first started reading for yourself. And so I didn't expect when I was reading this book to feel like, wow, my mind is being blown open. Like my entire idea about my sexuality and, and desire and pleasure, um, is being changed. Like I didn't expect that because I mean, I've read lots of books. I've done a lot of work on myself. Um, but this book really, really changed me. So I I definitely recommend reading come as you are because, um, wow, it just, it, it totally, totally threw me for a loop. It's, it's incredible. I think every woman needs to read that book. Um, and lastly, one of the books that I, I also love to tell people about is, um, women's anatomy of arousal by Sherry Winston. Um, also another super fun, super positive, like super sex positive book that really totally changed the way that I, I see myself sexually. And, um, it's also been really helpful for my clients too. She's got some really awesome exercises that you can do that are really fun, really playful and simple. Um, and she talks about sex in this way that is really approachable. It's not so dark and serious and, um, and, and scientific. Like, it's just really like, th- this is what your body does. And these are what certain yonis look like. And here's an exercise that can help you connect to your, your body right now. Um, I really, really love those three books. They're my oh, favorite. Thank you. I'll make sure to, to put links to all of those books in the show notes. Yeah, they're fantastic. And so as I mentioned in the Girl Gang HQ Facebook group, we've been talking about sex and sexuality a lot. So I thought I'd go straight to them and see what burning questions they had for you. Because I think it's one of those things where if one person has that question, there's going to be so many people listening who have the same question. Definitely. So one of them is, how can you get over the fear of touching yourself and or being touched? Even thinking about getting intimate with my yoni makes me anxious and panicky at the moment. So I feel completely alienated from a lot of practices that start with self-pleasure. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really common. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Um, I'm just thinking about like the sessions that I've been in with women over the last couple of months. And um, I've been doing a lot of work lately around uh, um, yoni awareness, like connecting with your with your vulva, with your vagina in a way that doesn't have anything to do with troubleshooting. Because I think a lot of women, we have a relationship with our genitals where it's like the only reason or the only, yeah, the only reason we even think about it, the only reason we even allow ourselves to go there is if, you know, we're getting a pap smear, if something's wrong, like yeast infection, urinary tract infection. Um, those are like really the only reasons we, we tend to go down there. And so uh, I've been working with some clients recently on changing the relationships we have with our yonis in a way that isn't all about that troubleshooting, isn't all about like there's something wrong, so that's the only time that I pay attention to it. Um, for this person in particular, one of the first things that I thought of was um, maybe taking touch out of the equation for a little bit mm -hmm. and just sitting with your yoni um, and just looking at her. Um, maybe sitting in front of a mirror and, um, you know, with your legs butterfly open and just looking at her, uh, spending a couple minutes uh, noticing what she looks like and also noticing the feelings that come up for you when you're looking at her. Um, I think maybe that as a starting place would be a lot better than just jumping straight in and expecting like I should be able to touch my yoni um, without having any shame or, or feeling any weirdness about it. Um, I think just connecting with her again by locking eyes, you know, and, and, and writing about that experience of, of looking at her and creating a relationship with her in that way. I think that might help, um, that might help lower some of those walls that could be up for her. Um, when she's experiencing or wanting to explore self-pleasure. So the next question that I have is how to cope with or heal a loss of libido when there are seemingly no medical factors involved? Where can we start? What can we do? Ooh, so this is where the book Come As You Are would be like golden for you. Um, because in this book, she talks about uh, low libido sort of, like the myth of low libido and um, I really don't want to butcher her work because she's done an amazing job like lots and lots of research I'm not going to even try to like try to you know surmise what um, this book is about but it definitely deals with desire it deals with the way that our bodies um, experience pleasure uh, the ways that our bodies become aroused and how that varies from person to person based on what turns you on and what turns you off. So um, I, I highly recommend before you do anything else, before you um, try any other techniques, um, to read that book. I, I, I would be very shocked if reading Come As You Are didn't totally change the way that you see a, your libido and also change the way that you interact with your sexual desire highly recommend it amazing well i'll definitely be adding that to my amazon wish list yeah so good it's such a good book so here's one that asks uh what are your suggestions or thoughts on instigating conversations around desire and intimacy with your partner what are some ways to get through the blocks and fear around expressing sexual desires wants and needs hmm that's a really really good question I think, I think sometimes when, I know for me, when, when I think about talking about sex with my partner, it feels really serious. Like we need to have like a sit down conversation where like we're sitting at the dinner table, we each have like a mug of something hot and we're having like this very serious conversation about sex right now. Um, and I mean, Hey, if that works for, for some of you, that's totally fine. But like, I try to bring levity and lightness into sexual conversations. I want my sexual conversations with my partner to be really playful and open and exploratory and curious. So um, I would ask, what is what are some ways that you can help bring 
levity and playfulness and to sexual conversations. And that might look like, you know, just being like, hey, remember that thing you did yesterday with your tongue? I really liked that. And just have that be that, you know, or, um, or, you know, another thing you can also say in passing, just, you know, just talking about sex in a way that isn't this super sit down, we need to have this really serious conversation, but just like talking about like what you really liked with your partner and blurting it out and maybe strange, strange times, strange places, like when you're having dinner, when you're making dinner, like, yeah, the the last time we had sex, I really enjoyed myself because of this. Or, you know, even turning it, turning it around and asking your partners, what, what is it that you like about having sex with me? Um, what is it that you like about my orgasm? What is it you like about my, my genitals? What is it you like about my body? Like, um, just being really playful and, and sort of coy and, and, um, and curious about the conversations that you have with sex. And I mean, as I'm saying all of this, I realize that it's a lot easier to say than it is to do it. Um, it takes practice, you know, I mean, because we, like you were mentioning, Sarah, like we don't really have a lot of language, um, to use when talking about sex and sexuality. So it's definitely going to take practice. It's not something that, that you should know automatically. Um, but I think that, I think that starting from a place of playfulness, of, of curiosity, of just being fun and having fun. I mean, this is someone that you are being intimate with and they know you and your body probably better than you do in a lot of ways. So I think being able to have that experience of, of speaking openly and very forward and bluntly and playfully about your sexual experiences, um, I, I think that would be a really good place to start. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think we often, you know, you think that the conversation has to be in bed or like have this serious sit down conversation. And so if that, yeah. moment, if that moment doesn't happen, then we just keep pushing it away. But just kind of the way you would with anything else that's a bit uncomfortable maybe prepare yourself for what you want to say and then just mm-hmm. blurt it out anytime yeah um, I think that's really good advice because it's gonna feel awkward sometimes totally I like that you said too that you know taking the conversation of sex outside of the bedroom that's huge you know I think a lot of people they only have conversations about sex when they're either in the act of sex or before or after you know and like I think I've definitely noticed a, a shift in the way that I uh, relate to sex, the way that I, I experience sex when I take that sexual conversation out of, of the bedroom, like taking it completely out of a sexual context and just being able to shoot the shit with my husband over dinner about the sex that we had yesterday evening and why it was so good and and maybe where it could have been better and you know just being really open and honest and um, vulnerable vulnerability is huge huge so one woman has asked what are some ways that you can open yourself up to a sense of romance and sweetness and intimacy during sex when you're used to experiencing sex more on a physical level and not quite in a soul-bearing way hmm so I think what she's speaking about is like rather like like a more sacred spiritual intimate way of right right um this is gonna sound really really simple and I hate that it sounds simple because it's not but I would suggest connecting to your breath um when you're in the act of sex really really connect with your breath um I think sometimes we have a tendency to just like I mean, because sex is so fun and it happens so fast and, you know, we're going um, with our impulses and, and stuff like that. We don't really have um, the opportunity or we do have the opportunity, but we don't think we have the opportunity to really just like slow it down and really feel into our bodies and connect to our breath. Um, I know that when it comes to tantric sex, one of the ways, one of the easiest ways to have like tantric sex is to connect with your breath. Um, so I would suggest that I, I would suggest, um, I would suggest noticing your breath more, not necessarily regulating it or controlling it, 
because obviously you don't want sex to be like thought about. You don't want to be like in the midst of having sex with your partner and thinking, okay, but I need to make sure that I'm breathing in this particular way. Um, but, but just noticing what, what your breath is doing and, and, and if it feels comfortable for you to sort of change the way you're breathing, um, if it, if it's not going to, to mess with the rhythm that you've got going on already, see what it feels like to take big, deep breaths into your belly, into your chest, um, when you're having sex, I guarantee that like, cause, cause this is, this was something that also cracked me wide open about sex. Like the whole, like stepping into more synchronized breathing, more deep breathing during sex. I mean, it's, it changed everything for me. It also changed the way that I was intimate with my partner because the more that I'm in my body, the more that I'm feeling into my body, the more that I can feel into his body. So, um, like I said, it's, it sounds so simple, like connecting to the breath. Um, but it's really, really profound. So I would, I would suggest starting there and that, um, and, and following your curiosity about, you know, what, what the next steps with that, uh, of that would be, you know, whether that's trying certain breathing patterns that feel a little bit more regulated, um, or, um, yeah, just, just doing things that, that, or, or changing the breath patterns. If that feels like something that you want to do, if that's something that, that feels like you can be comfortable doing, I would suggest, um, checking that. But first and foremost, just, just notice your breath. If you can, like if, if you're, when you're having sex, just notice the way that you're breathing, notice, notice what your breath is doing. Yeah. I mean, I think even the simplest things like that, that can, they can bring us into the present moment and increase our awareness mm-hmm. can really change everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there's a question here about what are some practices for single people who want to go into future relationships more consciously and with better boundaries? Um, the first thing that I thought of was masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I mean, obviously this person is asking for, for more than just like the sexual. It's more about um, uh, having boundaries with your body, having boundaries with the other person. But I really do think that that self-pleasure, that creating an intimate sexual relationship with yourself first and foremost can um, create a solid foundation for you to bring into your other relationships. Um, you know, if, if you don't know what you like, if, if you don't know what turns you on, how in the world is your partner going to be able to know that? Um, and there's also something very powerful about you, you knowing without a doubt, this is what turns me on. The, these are the sorts of touches, the sorts of caresses that I like and being able to use your voice and speak up and, and tell your partner that. Um, so I really feel like, uh, having a solo sexual relationship is the foundation of having a strong, healthy, um, boundaried relationship with sex with other people. Um, I, I think that knowing yourself, knowing your body, um, it's incredibly powerful. I think sometimes we put a lot of responsibility and pressure on our partners to be able to unlock the pleasure that is within us. Um, we don't take that responsibility for ourselves. We don't uh, sit down and and explore the ways that we like to be touched and the ways that um, we want to be loved on and the ways that we want to be aroused and turned on. So, um, so definitely, I think I think the solo sexual relationship opens up not just the door of of sexual power, like knowing your own sexual power, but it also opens the door to you being able to know how to voice your your desires, know Absolutely. how to voice uh, what you want. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like it's the starting place of finding that language is in the experience of it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. One, last, yeah. one last crowdsource question is for someone who has kind of started this awakening and they've abandoned their shame, what practices can reinforce that feeling of liberation in a world where negative messages and representations of women continue to tempt me back into negative thought patterns and feelings of guilt slash self-doubt that don't align with how my body wants to feel? Mm, That is such a good question. That is, oh my gosh, such a good question. 
Um, the first thing I thought of was maybe going on a media fast, um, because I know that sometimes the images that we see in media uh, have a tendency to sway or completely derail us from our personal journeys, not even just about sexual, but just about um, how we want to feel in our bodies. Um, so I think that I think that going on a media fast or just noticing what things trigger those those thoughts of sexual disconnection or um, those thoughts of body disconnection or things that make you feel like, oh, this isn't good, this, this doesn't make me feel good. Um, maybe it's certain magazines, maybe it's um, certain songs, certain music, maybe it's even certain people, people in your life who um, are sexually closed up and they're not helping you helping to inspire you to be sexually open, um, really kind of turning inward and noticing the things that, that trigger you, that trigger those thoughts, um, I think can be really helpful. And then, you know, moving accordingly. Maybe that means, like I said, going on a media fast. Maybe that means taking a break from the friendships or the relationships that you have with people that make you want to close yourself up, that make you feel like you can't take up space in your body, um, that, that make you feel the same kind of shame that you've been working so hard, uh, to get on the other side of. Um, I mean, that's, it's an, it's, it's really difficult, especially when you think about the people in your life that, um, that take you off of your sexually liberated high, you know, um, when you think about having to separate yourself from those relationships and remove yourself from those friendships. Um, and so I'm definitely not suggesting that like you change all of your friendships and you change all of the media that you're, um, that you're consuming and, and things like that. I think just noticing, just, just being in a place of, okay, so for the rest of the week, uh, or, or for for a week, I'm going to notice the things that trigger me, the the things that make me feel badly about my body. Um, maybe even write them down um, at the end of the day. Uh, the things that that brought you back into feeling sexually shamed or um, sexually closed, or um, or maybe just just feeling disconnected from your body. Um, write it all down, and then at the end of the week look through that list and ask yourself, okay, so what things can be changed? What things can I take off of this list? Um, uh, and what things can't be changed, you know? I mean, it may be, it, it may be things that, that won't be as easy to just like step away from. Um, but I, I think, I think observing the way that you get triggered, observing what triggers you would be a really, really good place to start. And then also like um, on the other side of that, continuing to fill yourself um, and your life with sex positive images. You know, um, one of the things that I've been doing lately is, is following Instagram um, profiles that show uh, sex positivity or, and not even just sex positivity, but body positivity, you know, that, that show women who, um, who are sexually sovereign, who have, who are, who are owning their sexuality and who have sexual agency um so yeah i would suggest like filling your filling your life with sex positive images um uh looking for looking for opportunities to give yourself permission to be sexually free sexually positive and doing things for yourself that make you feel sexually free sexually positive body positive um self-loving um i think that would be a really good place to start I think that's really great advice. And so, um, so one question that I ask everyone, and it could be absolutely anything, whether it's a movement practice, a food, um, a book, it doesn't have to be at all related to what we've talked about today, but what's one thing that you're obsessed with that's making your life better? Oh my gosh. So I already talked about Come As You Are, the book that I just finished reading. Um, that is definitely uh, something that has completely changed my life, has completely changed the way that I relate to sex, the way that I look at sex. Um, so that's something that, uh, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe, I'm so happy that this book was written because I know that it's going to completely change the lives of people uh, and the way that they see their sexualities. And, and not even just for women, but for the people that, for the people that love us. Like I'm, I'm thinking about my own man, like, man, I was reading some of those chapters to him and I'm like, 
this is amazing. This is so fascinating. And, and even he was blown away. So, um, so yeah, that book has definitely, that book has definitely changed me, but I already talked about it. So, um, the other thing that I'm really obsessed with is, um, stepping more into being a slut and like reclaiming that word, um, and, and owning that word in a new way. Uh, loving my body and and loving my sexual body, taking pictures of my sexual body, um, not for anyone but for myself. Um, I'm really fascinated by like the sexting culture. Uh, that's not something that I am totally entrenched in. I feel like I'm I'm a little. I mean, I'm not old, but it's it's not something that that maybe it's because I'm married. I've been married for like almost nine years, and I mean if we just, if we want to show each other our sexual bodies, we just, I mean, we work from home so I can just walk around naked. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm really fascinated by, by the sexting culture and, and interested in like flipping it on its head a little bit and like making sexting for myself first and foremost, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really fascinated by taking pictures of my sexual body and, and celebrating that. Um, so yeah, that's, those are some things that I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated in. And, and with like the sexual, the, the sexting, sexual reclaiming the slut thing, um, that's something that's still forming. Like I'm, I'm still thinking about, I don't really know what that's going to look like in terms of a practice for me right now. Um, but I'm really fascinated by it. I'm, I'm fascinated by the women that I see on Instagram who have such sexual agency, um, and they're not doing it for, I mean, some of them are sex workers, but some of them are just doing it because their bodies are banging and they love, they, they, they feel totally at peace in their sexual expressions. So I'm really curious about that. I'm curious about um, stepping up the way that I express myself as a sexual woman by um, being really bold and, and outward about the way that I express myself. So yeah, those are some things that I've been thinking about lately. Amazing. Well, I hope if that it's something you continue to explore and if it turns into a particular practice that you'll share it with us on your blog. Oh, definitely. You know it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it works. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So for anyone who feels drawn to, to, how can people work with you and support your work? Yeah. So um, the best way to learn more about me and my work and my writing um, is to go to my blog, sexloveliberation.com. um, if people want to know how to work with me, they can go to sexloveliberation.com forward slash coaching. That really gives people a good idea of not just the way that I coach, but like my coaching philosophy, um, which I think is, is different than a lot of people experience, um, sex and, and sexual healing. Um, so yeah, those are some really good ways. I mean, obviously my blog is the best way for you to kind of, uh, get to know me and get to know my work. And, um, I just recently did a total rebrand of, of everything. I took some pictures and, um, yeah, my, my, my work is stepping up in a really new and big way. So I'm really excited to share that with people. And your website is looking absolutely gorgeous. Your photos are so, so hot on there. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled. So, so thrilled with how they turned out. It was huge for me to like step into more of a visible role in my work. I I feel like because I'm a writer, first and foremost, I've been hiding behind um, my writing a lot of the time. So this new rebrand and relaunch was really about me stepping up into um, my role as, as a healer, as a facilitator for the erotic, and also kind of touching on what I talked about a minute ago about like owning owning my sluthood and like changing the narrative around what it naming that word. So I'm, I'm super thrilled. I'm very happy with how it turned out and I can't wait to see how this year unfolds for me because of it. Well, I will make sure to put a link to your website and also all of your social media in, in the show notes so that it's super easy for people to find you. And thank you so much um, for coming on the show and having this conversation and just for being so candid and honest and all of your amazing advice. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really hope that um, my advice helped and, and yeah, I, I hope that people know that 
they're not alone and, and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. If you are struggling with low libido or sexual shame, just know that you are not alone. And if you want a supportive and safe place to talk about your experiences, please join us on Facebook in Girl Gang HQ and be sure to visit Evyon at sexloveliberation.com. You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 28. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference in helping me to make big things happen with this podcast and to reach more people who can benefit from these conversations. You can write anything you want in the review, so why not let me know what you're obsessed with lately or who you'd like me to interview next. Next week, I'm interviewing Kate Taylor. Kate is a life coach and NLP practitioner who helps women tap into their creativity and find their why so that they can live a life full of happiness and purpose. This episode should be called What the Fuck Are Chakras? because Kate gives us a thorough rundown on what chakras are, how to experience them in your body even if you're super skeptical, an explanation of each of the seven chakras, tips for figuring out whether your chakras are out of balance, and some best practices for keeping them running smoothly. If you've ever wondered what your yoga teacher is on about when she talks about chakras or prana, this episode is for you. Until then, do something to get your shit together and create a life you love.